It sounds it. This is the Lord. <laughs> welcome, 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 Touch Heaven. Welcome to those of you who are online with us. We so appreciate you tuning in with us today. And uh, let's just ask the Lord to lead us and to continue to connect these dots on the uh, theme and the message. It's more than a theme. It's actually a clarion call that has been pouring out since four or five weeks ago when at the keyboard he uh, released this prophetic word. And it's, it wasn't just for a moment. It's actually for a season, for a time, for a transition. So, Father, we ask you, Lord, to allow us to keep building upon that. And, Father, for us to get the revelation, the rhema from that which you're putting out to us, Lord, and to understand, Father, how serious and sensitive this word and this message is for us at this time. We thank you for it, Lord, but we want to give you all the glory, and we come to you, Father, in the fear of the Lord, but not in the fear of our confidence and faith. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to stretch us, but at the same time, Father, to give us that perfect balance. To you alone, be blessed, and all glory to you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. I want to thank those of you who are tuning in with us and those who will follow up with this at another time. We do like connecting with you, and I appreciate your feedback, so thank you for that. And uh, some, of, some of the feedback I get, by the way, which uh, the team filters is negative stuff, you know. I'm on like the, uh, the hit list for the witches and stuff like that. So uh, have a go at it because that means you're listening to me, so thank you. And uh, just maybe it'll settle in, right? We provoke some to jealousy. We provoke some to something else. But let's just provoke them if they're not in the Lord Jesus. Amen. So we've been on a, on a journey. And our journey together is understanding the threshold that we're crossing. We're going to deal with that in a moment. Um, I've asked them to put back up the riddle which we've been leaning towards and, and hinting towards, and I really gave all the pieces to it, but now I'm going to condense it very quickly so that we can move on with that theme. And about four weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me in different pieces throughout the night, and in it, these are the themes He gave me. One was chipping away white ice, hanging wallpaper, digging ditches, and fine linen. And I told you and shared with you, that was the first time that the Lord ever really gave me something in a riddle like that. It sort of caught me by surprise, and I had to make sure that I was receiving it and that I just wasn't having some flashbacks from another age 50 years ago. And, and it was like, okay, I got it. Now what do I do with it? And then as I began to, to uh, meditate and pray and seek, then the Lord put the pieces together, and it perfectly fit with the transition that's going on. Let's talk about chipping away ice to start with. If we go to Revelation chapter 3, and <clears throat> let's, let's look at the scriptures about the church of Laodicea, right? Laodicea, all of the seven churches have some relevance to today, but that one seems to pulsate out to me. It seems to get the heartbeat of it. And and Laodicea was in a quandary, was it not? It was one that was pointed out by John the Revelator as he received it through the Holy Spirit. And the issue was that there was a temperature being taken. And we start in verse 
14 of chapter 3 of Revelation, it says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. You notice, you know, just a, a sort of sidebar. You notice that as John was receiving this revelation, he didn't just say the God of Israel or my God or Abba or Adohim or, or Elohim. He, he focused in on the fact of he was so amazed that he was getting this revelation of how magnificent God was, and he was translating this to words. Now, today, when we pray, we, we, don't, we don't pray, say amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. We're not caught up into that, even though we have the faith, but he was caught up in it. And so at one point, it's like he was, he was trying to explain what he was seeing and what he was receiving, and the only thing he could do was use words that, that magnified that. And so, uh, to the angel of the church of the Laodicean write these things, says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And I know the works that you are, are neither cold nor hot. I would you were either cold or hot. That's a strange word, isn't it? Come on, think about it. How many people actually give that word today? Most people, most people. Pastors don't give that word, do they? I want you to be either hot or I want you to be cold. Okay, pastor, I'll be cold. No, I want you to be hot or cold. He says, I would rather that you're hot or cold. We're getting an insight into something. Now, let me set the tone again, because I'll keep setting it. We need a different mindset today than you had yesterday. We need a mindset that has a timeless concept, not just a time concept. If we're stuck in the moment... What does a moment become? It becomes past tense by the next moment. Every moment is already a moment already past, unless we retrieve them and connect them and hurdle them forward. Isn't that correct? So that's, that's the way we have faith, is it not? Faith is a substance of things. that it's, it's a hope. It's an evidence of things you don't see, but it's already there. It's telling you that whatever that is, it's already there, but somehow you need to become timeless and believe that you can grasp it and bring heaven to earth. And so a timeless mindset is what we're called to in this age because if you're alive today and breathing, I am absolutely convinced you are called to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. You are those that are going down to the river to meet John the Baptist, and he's saying, repent, repent, prepare the way for the Lord. And that's who we are, and, and that was a small season. John didn't have a long-term ministry, did he? He wasn't really trying to start the business of a ministry. He wasn't trying to establish himself. In fact, he came to the realization that it was better that he decrease so that the Lord increase. He understood that there was an expiration date on himself and what he was bringing, and that he was the prelude to the opening act of Jesus Christ. And that's who we are. If you're alive and breathing today, I, I encourage you to pray about this to the Lord yourself. Let him tell you who you are and who we are collectively. Because you see, there's something new that wasn't there when John was there. It's called the church. It's called the body of Christ upon which the Holy Spirit has descended and infilled us. And he's guiding us and teaching us and keeping us, but he's also connecting us, each one to each other. We are connected unless we don't allow ourselves to be connected. And we are successful and we are powerful 
And we are productive when we allow that connectivity to come in unison. And if we come in unison to say, Habashibab, Lord, come Jesus. If we put that unison in place, crying out for Jesus to return, now we become a powerful sound in all of the universe and literally bring in heaven to earth in the sense of Jesus Christ. In the sense of Jesus Christ. So when we understand that, let's read this next uh, scripture together. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. And we get this understanding that hot is good, right? Hot's the ultimate. The temperature's hot. We could relate that to many things. The fire of God, the glory of God. Being hot in the Lord is a good thing. Being on fire, right? Fire is good, so we can leave that one off to the side and put it at the top. And then we can look at cold and say, oh, why would the Lord say him being cold is good? I mean, who wants to die cold and take a risk that the grace is gonna be enough to have eternal life with Jesus Christ? Not me. Cold isn't a good thing. Who, who wants to come into fellowship of a cold church? <laughs> Bunch of cold people. The blind leading the blind, no miracles. Haven't seen a miracle, don't even believe they exist. Who wants to be cold? But there's that lukewarm. And you would think that the Lord would say, well, you know, if I put a, a, a pot on the stove and I turn it up and, it, and it's just below the boiling point, well, you would think it doesn't take much more to turn it a little longer on the dial and lukewarm will become hot. It'll begin to boil. But, but the Lord doesn't see it that way. And we're gonna figure that out in a moment as we keep going on. He said, I'm rather you're cold. Well, you see, here's why you're cold. Back to the graphic, please, chip in the ice. Now, we like to magnify all ice sculptures, right? If you go to a, a very exquisite wedding or something and somebody's taking the time out to have an ice sculpture, first of all, you look at it and you say, wow, that was a lot of work and how did they do that? Or if you happen to be driving by on a wintry day in the snow and it's been cold a while and there's something molded in the snow, we marvel at it, but we know that it has an expiration date. We know that it's temporal. Most ice sculptures, they want to get them in there so that they don't have more than 12 hours because then they begin to thaw and they begin to melt down and pretty soon the figure is distorted and what it looked like, it's not. It's an illusion of what it was intended to be and it's temporal, it has an expiration date and it disappears. And could it be that that's why the Lord says, I'd rather you were cold because then you're going to thaw out. And instead of being comfortable and thinking that you're going to turn the dial and boil up at the right time because you're lukewarm, maybe you're going to thaw out. And as you begin to thaw out, you're going to become desperate. Just like the story of the snowman who was made, and as the sun came out, all of a sudden he began to thaw down, and the only thing left was the carrot on the ground for his nose and two lumps of coal for his eyes and a black hat that was laying in the snow on top of what used to be. And so cold, so chipping away the ice. Now, who is chipping away the ice? Oh, let's get religious. God's chipping away the ice, is he? God's chipping away the ice, is he? What's our call? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to be the ones that minister to those who are cold? Are we supposed to ones who go and try to bring them in from the cold? Are we the light? 
Are we the light? Is the fire of God within us? You see, I, I believe that, that when, when, when Dharma gets close to somebody and he's on fire for the Lord, they can't help but begin to melt. They gotta melt because of the presence of the Lord. That's who you are, that's who we are. We carry something. And what we carry is the presence of the fire of God, but with a special anointing for this dispensation. You see, we've, theologically, we could go back and begin to study, and some of us have done that, the different dispensations. And a lot of people, you know, they go to Bible school to learn all about all the dispensations. And for me, that's a waste of time today. So don't do it. Because it's not going to help you one bit. What you need to do is be aware of today's dispensation. You don't need to be convinced how the Holy Spirit came out of Azusa Street. You just need to know he's here. You don't need to know about the Lutheran moment. You just need to know we went way past that in the Protestant moment. You don't need to know about the prophetic moment and the apostolic moments and the charismatic moments. It's all good stuff, but we're past that. We're beyond it now. We need a timeless mindset that says, Lord, we're crossing another threshold. And as we cross that threshold, remember what he said to us. He said, don't try to put a name on it. He said, it's too holy for you to name it. It's me, and watch what will happen. Just be part of it. You see, we try to brand things, don't we? And something happens in every move of God. Once it begins to get branded and people begin to chase the branding, they forget who it is that is the one that's doing it. And we want to be part of it. I remember that, that there was a moment when I was at uh, my first Spanish church and everybody was running up to, where was it at in Florida, Lorley? No, 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 I, not, I know where we were at. They were running up to the new outbreak and it was on God TV, right? And I'm gonna name the person, his name was Todd. Remember Todd with all the stuff and he was having an affair with his secretary during it but nobody knew until it blew up, and it blew up God TV too, because they tried to brand something of God. They tried to create it. They actually had false testimonies coming in of people being healed and things. And, and I stood up because some of the people had gone and come back, and I spoke publicly to the whole church. I said, excuse me, I have a prophetic word, don't go. I said, I see frogs, and those frogs that are jumping out of there are foul. And there's a foul spirit coming out of that man in that place. And that foul spirit is fraudulent. And it's a fraud spirit and it's not of God. And man, did it come down on me for about two months until it got exposed. Until it got exposed. Never repented of, by the way. Never repented of. Just reloaded, back out, divorce the wife, go on out. Never repented of. You see, people want to brand things, and God TV tried, and I feel sorry. Their family broke up. She and her husband broke up because that's what he was imparting. That's why I tell you, be cautious about who you receive from and where you go. It might, have, it might sound right. It might feel good. You might think you're going to get something that's really going to help you, but with it comes the baggage. Have you considered what a snake does in order to prepare itself for its new transition it's called molting, and there's another scientific name for it. I think it's called ecdysis, E-C-D-Y-S-I-S, ecdysis. And, and what it is is there's a time when they've got to get rid of the old skin. So they start rubbing up against coarse things like trees and, 
and, and people that got a lot of pimples on their legs. No, they, they run up against all kind of coarse things to get that skin to come off. And once that skin comes off, there's another word called molting, then there's a new skin that begins to take its place. And guess what happens if that skin doesn't come off? It hinders its growth. And parasites and bacteria get in there under that skin and they begin to destroy the snake. It's not healthy for it. The skin's got to come off. But there's something about certain species and things where it clings and it won't let loose. That's lukewarm. You see, lukewarm is clinging on to the old things. It's like we were reading about in Kings about the three kings and how they were going to go and, 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 and they went to Elisha. And Elisha said to Jeroboam, he said, listen, you're a dog. Basically, if you translate what he said, he said, I, won't do, I wouldn't do anything for you. But he said, because you're in the company of Jehoshaphat and because he followed the ways of his father who followed the ways of David, he said, I'm going to give you the word of the Lord. Stop a moment. What we see looking back in time with the timeless mentality and then dialing it forward is that because Jeroboam, who, who was nasty, he was bad, he was, he was like his mama, Jezebel. He was a bad dude. There wasn't a good bone in his body. The only thing he did was he got rid of the, the image of Baal, but he didn't stop worshiping Baal. He just got rid of the image. It was like he said he was covering the bases, like being at the roulette wheel, right? Let me just cover the red and the black and choose about 20 numbers. It's like people that you know, thought they were gonna win the billion and a half dollar lottery. I'll just buy a bunch of numbers. I, a couple people, I spent 300. Another guy told me he spent 1,000. So how much did you spend? I said, yeah, I didn't, I, didn't get any, I, didn't get a, I didn't get a dollar in the game. And it, it, it's like Jeroboam wanted to cover his bet. So he got rid of the, the image of Baal, but he didn't get rid of the character of Baal. And he was a leader, and he didn't lead his people the right way, so they were still, still, trying to receive what they could from their human gods, from their made-up gods, from their comfort, from their culture, from their religion. And they weren't getting rid of those things that was clinging to their skin yet. You see, that's why God is going to challenge and is challenging people, pastors, churches, and the body of Christ to break out of traditional cultures that restrict us from being one-on-one -on -one with each other. Now, I'm not telling you that denominations are bad. They're very good. Done a lot of good work all over the world. Very dear friend of mine is one of the top guys in Church of God. Another one in the assemblies. Good people. But what happens is that at some point in time, the denominations draw a line. And that line is, that's all good there, but you've got to make sure you cross over here this way. And by the way, you need to tithe 90% of your money to us no matter where you go or you're no longer ordained in this denomination. That's a fact. I'm not making that up. Why am I sharing that with you? Because those are divisions. Those are walls that, 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 that put requirements that God doesn't put upon the people of God. Right? We had a, 
lady a while ago, a couple years ago, she asked my wife, how, how, do, you, how do you become a member of your church? <laughs> she said, you come. Well, do I have to go to classes? Am I supposed to tithe so much? No, just come. Well, well, don't you have membership? We're all family. We call it family. And if you want to call it membership, that's great. I'm wonderful. I'm okay with that. But it's not a restriction. It's not a line you have to cross. It's not seven or ten weeks of immersing yourself into everything the way we do it so that you do it our way or else you're out. Now, come on. I've been blessed in my life to go into many different kind of, of, of churches. I just married this, this beautiful woman. It was 40 years ago. We, were, we went to Egypt and we were in Cairo and... and God was using us and using me, and from the moment I landed in Cairo, broken, knee filled with, with gangrene, hobbling, sick, the moment we landed in the airport, God began to do miracles. We had a miracle service in the airport with the policeman watching on, and then he came, and God healed because it's illegal to do that. And I went around with this man for a week, one week, and he was saving up money to get his knee operated over here, where I got my knee operated on the first time in Greenville. And he heard about Dr. Steele, the doctor for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's who did my knee. And I got gangrene in it, and I'm walking next to him, and he's walking next to me, and, and he's watching all the miracles, and he stands in line for two hours to have a miracle with me. And he could have asked me any day, any moment. But you see, he was a Muslim, and so the Lord gave me wisdom not to try to preach to him, but let him watch. And finally, when he was standing in line, the last person standing in line to get prayed for, I started to laugh. I prayed for him. Next morning, he comes like this. He, he says, I got healed. He said, I got healed. He kept calling me prophet. I got healed, prophet. I said, Jesus healed you. Oh, will you come to my house? and have dinner with us. And then about an hour later, he says to me, Prophet, why doesn't your Jesus heal your knee? I said, you know, that's a very good question. You ask him, because I've been asking him the same thing. <laughs> we went to his house, another whole story. <sighs> and the Lord, just to tell you, sometimes it's not so comfortable to discern and be in the things that God has to say. And in the midst of a dinner and a little feast they put out, which my wife kept putting it on my plate because they were the, the blackened, dried out crows that were sitting down below the market when we walked in that had rancid stuff on it and they were cooking them and you know you have to eat what they put on your plate. So every time they turn around, some more ended up on my plate. <laughs> And in the midst of that, he says, Prophet, I want you to pray for my family. Now, they're Muslims. And right before we pray, the, the sound comes out, and they go running to their mats, and I'm waiting for them, and I'm waiting for them. And they come back, and they sit at the table, and you'd think I'd say, oh, Jesus loves you. You don't know how much he loves you. He's the God of Ishmael. No, 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 no. You know what the Lord told me to tell him? Why did you send your son away? They looked at each other. They became terrified. Whoa, 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 how did you know that? I said, the Lord told me. 
He's upset with you. Why did you send your son away? I said, you sent him away because he was different. He wasn't learning right. You didn't want to deal with him. He didn't speak right. He was slow. Go get your boy. They looked at each other and they began to weep. I said, the Lord says, bring your son home. Now, you would think after that, they'd want to throw me out. You know what that did? They put the fear of the Lord in them. They wanted Jesus. You see, there's no formula to how we deal with people to come in the kingdom. It's all about our relationship with God. And in this hour, Buddha Shisakai, in this moment, there's a new anointing. The word that came out at the keyboard was, I didn't even know how to say it, I didn't want, he said it's a new baptism. It's not a different baptism than the one in Jesus Christ, there's only one. It's not a different baptism than the baptism in the Holy Spirit, there's only one. But there's new dispensations and anointings and baptisms that come upon the earth. What baptism was John baptizing in? It wasn't the same one that Jesus baptized in because we didn't have the name of Jesus. We didn't have the risen Jesus Christ. He was baptizing in an anointing that he had to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And today the Lord is pouring out only thing we can refer to as a new baptism, a new anointing upon the people of God to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. But this time it's with a power and authority and victory and grace. Somebody sent me something two days ago, I, and they put a little note underneath it. This is you. I was highly offended by that, because I listened to that guy, and he disgraced great men of God. You see, the only correlation we had is that he was, he was hitting on the point there's a business of the ministry, but let me say something so I'm very clear. I will not disgrace a person of God. I might call him out and point it, and I don't care if they call me out, but I won't disgrace them. He called two of the most well-known pastors in all the earth right now pedophiles. They're not pedophiles. I know one of them. That was wrong. And then he kept saying, I hope they sue me. He better hope he doesn't fall down dead for touching the anointings of God. That'll be his final lawsuit. You know what it says in Daniel? <laughs> you know what it says in Daniel? The great men of understanding shall fall in this time that they might be purged and cleansed. God didn't say pedophiles or pigs or dogs. or He said great men of understanding will fall in this time. What he's talking about is being tried in the fire with a high temperature to be purified. We're not those who want to declare judgment upon anybody. We don't want to see anybody fail. And we know the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And let me tell you something, there's a lot of great men and women of understanding who are walking with tremendous gifts and anointings and God is using them in the kingdom. I might be disdained by the business of the ministry, and I am, but it doesn't mean that I'm writing off those people. It means I want to be a provocation. I want to be a John the Baptist. I want to be a Jesus just like you do that goes into the temple. Maybe we're not going to go into their churches and turn over the tables, but we just might be those outside the door saying, please stop selling the brand of the ministry and allow the Lord to take it. I want to make sure we have balance in what we do. 
Because we can also destroy that anointing upon us that God's trying to give us. You know, let's go on to the next one. Hanging wallpaper. I asked you last week how many of you had, and some of you raised your hands, and I asked you how many botched it up at least the first time, and some of you kept your hands up, and I told you I hate hanging wallpaper. I made it so bad the first time, I'll never do it again. But there's something you do. It's called sizing or priming. We call it priming now. We go to Sherwin-Williams, we get a great primer. But you used to have to size those walls. And it was an emulsifier that you would pour in it, right? And when wallpaper became very popular back in its time and very expensive wallpapers, they would emulsify and put stuff in there so that it would break the bond behind the wall and it would be, be, be saturated enough that it would become part of what the wallpaper was. And then it would lay appropriately and look nice. So why would the Lord tell us hanging wallpaper is part of what this riddle was about preparing the way of the Lord? It's because not only do we need to size ourselves, which is repentance, humility, the word of God, preparing ourselves, but we, listen to me, we need to be the emulsifier for other people to be sized. Let this mind be in ye that was also in Christ Jesus, who thought himself not too high, but to become a servant. We need to be the emulsifier. That means you might have to get uncomfortable. That means you might have to let some things go. That might mean you have to be around some people. You see, those of you here and those of you there, and even the witches, and you know, I can honestly say I love you because I don't hate you. You're easy for me to love. You are very easy for me to love. We're going to have, you know, pachia, amore, and pizza here in a little bit. We're going to break pizza bread together. You're easy to love. It's easy to love people that love you. It's hard to love people that are difficult to love. That's what sizing is. Sizing is making ourselves the bond between who they are and Jesus. We want to just cloak them with Jesus, and they're not ready to receive. We have to be the sizing. We have to go through the preparation. Digging ditches. I'm just, I don't want to teach out of it today because it'll take too long out of Kings where we were. But it was very simple. When they went to Elisha, the three kings, they were... They were going to do war against Moab and the Moabites because the Moabites kept coming in and stealing their cattle and stealing their, their, their and, and quit giving them their, 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 their barter. They quit giving them the 100,000 lambs and different things that they were giving them every year that they were supposed to give them so they wouldn't destroy them. The Moabites finally said, I think we're stronger than these people are. They're weak. We're not doing it anymore. So Jeroboam, who was a wild, wild like his mom, he decides, let me get the other two kings because Israel was divided. And he goes to the king of Edom and he goes to the, to, to, to the king of Israel. It happens to be Jehoshaphat. And he says, will you join me and let's go get the Moabites so that they understand they can't do this to us. They still have to give us what they're supposed to give us. So Jehoshaphat, who was raised in the ways of his father, made one serious mistake. He didn't ask God what he should do. But let's not hold that too hard against him because 
How many of us have jumped out without asking God what we should do? But we sure are quick to ask him to fix it. (laughs) And that's what happened with Jehoshaphat and Jeroboam. And so Jeroboam says, the Lord, all of a sudden he blames it on God. The Lord brought us out here to kill us at the hands of the Moabites. How can we get a word from the Lord all of a sudden? Jeroboam, who is still living the life of Baal, he wants a word from the Lord. But he doesn't know how to go get it himself. Jehoshaphat, he did the only thing he could do. There's a prophet who's got a word. His name's Elisha. He knows the word of the Lord. Bring Elisha quickly. They bring Elisha. And Elisha, you know, he's in the, in the, in the, in the presence of the three kings, the three amigos, and, and he's, you know, you should be, you'd think he'd be impressed, and, you know, the business of the ministry, he probably should have said, hey, guys, put down the jets right now. I want two, one from each of you. Give me some cash. Give me some money. Give me, give me a new, Elisha says to him, looks at Jeroboam, and he says, you're a dog. That's what it translates, you're a dog. And I would like to leave you here to die here so that the dogs lick you. But he said, but because of Jehoshaphat, because of Jehoshaphat, she says that, because of Jehoshaphat, whose father Abbas kept the ways of his father David, I'm going to give you the word of the Lord. You see, back to sizing, back to chipping, back to being in the presence of fine linen, you'll get it in a moment. Back to all of that. You can be in the company of the glory and the grace and get blessed in spite of yourself. So now what's that mean? You see, we're not arrogant. We just know who we are. You see, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't sit there and stutter and wonder, is that me or who you are? If you, if you have that problem, we'll fix it right now. You're a child of the king. You're a priest. You're both a priest and a king. A priest can, can, can minister between man and God, and a king has dominion and authority, so you can exercise as a king with dominion and authority and minister between man and God as a priest with authority. Ha! Ah. So Elisha says, you're in the valley. Remember I told you last week, we're in the valley, Mahoning Valley, we're in the valley. We're in the valley. He said, you're in the valley. Start digging ditches. Hey, are you crazy? We haven't drank, we got no water, it's dry out here, our food is up, our cattle's dying. Read the story, they're desperate. How are we supposed to fight these Moabites? We can barely drag our legs any further. People wanna quit and go home, they don't even have enough supplies and provision to go home because they didn't count the cost, they didn't allow provision, they didn't do reconnaissance, they went down to what they thought was a river and found out the riverbed was dry because they hadn't gone to the river in a long time because the Moabites were making life too comfortable for them. Church was too easy. And Elisha said, dig the ditches. Your God's gonna supply. And when he does, he's gonna supply enough for you, your cattle, and you're gonna have more than enough to go to battle. And you're gonna go to victory, and he's gonna deliver the Moabites into your hands. And when he does, he said, Kill every one of them. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of it because it clings to you. Eradicate it. 
And then he says, take stones and stone all their fields so they can't grow anything anymore. That's a lot of work. Can you imagine stoning miles and miles? And you're trying to get stones out of your farm. He's telling them, put stones in there. Just like the Lord said, they dug the ditches. It doesn't tell us how long it took. But I think it took a little while. And then all of a sudden, the water started somewhere and it filled those ditches. It filled the ditches. They began to prepare for the provision of the Lord. That's what he's calling us to do, dig the ditches. And then the Lord used that, crazy, because then they heard the clamor and the chaos and the people were celebrating because they got this water. But the Lord put it in the mind of the Moabites that they were fighting one another because they were hungry and tired and the three kings were set it against each other. So they began to believe a lie. The enemy began to believe a lie. And then they looked and they saw the sunlight shimmering against the water and they thought it was the blood of the three kings' armies fighting each other. So they said, now let's go get them. When they came into the trap, they were slaughtered because it was the sunlight of the Lord and his glory upon the water of the ditches that they dug. Beloved, Not this time, another time. Next time I preach, Lord willing. I wanna get into Ezekiel 9 and 10. I wanna talk about the glory of the Lord moving across the threshold from the east, going about to where the Lord said it would, ministered by the man in linen with an inkhorn marking those that would have judgment and those that would not. We're about there. And the, and the ditches we're digging, that what we're preparing, it's so that the water of the Holy Spirit can feel them. And when that feels them, the glory of the Lord will radiate from them. And the whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The whole world isn't gonna bow to the Lord, but they're gonna know about the glory of the Lord. It never said the Moabites repented and changed their God. Hmm? Pharaoh didn't repent and change their God, but he knew about the glory of the God of Israel. That's what that's all about. Some, they're teaching about a great awakening all over the earth, and the whole earth is going to have on the news channels, Fox News, CNN, the Arab News, and yada, yada. the glory of the Lord broke forth. No, 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 no. They're gonna call it all kind of other things. Those radical, intolerant, conservative believer, whatever they're calling themselves, they don't understand that a person can be born different than they are. And why would they say, you know, there's something. That's what we're gonna get more of. That's what we're gonna get more of. So we too, we have to molt as we're transitioning from one thing to another thing, we gotta let go of the old. Old things have passed away. All things are made new, but we wanna stay in that old skin. And we all know, I mean, that's 101 charismatic teaching, what happens with the old wineskin, right? You pour new stuff into a boom. We know that, but get out of the skin. That's what we need to know. And isn't it something that that which became fresh and new at the time that it became fresh and new can begin to become stale if we make it religious? 
Now I know I'm going to rock some boats and that's okay, I don't care. That's why even this morning on my way in, I put something on, I don't know, it came on and some guy was talking about somebody had a problem and he said they need to plead the blood over it. And I said, oh man, that guy didn't even know what he was talking about. He's just saying it because everybody said it. You know that was denominational, right? Happened after Azusa Street, you know that. Right, okay, so we'll leave it there. What's that do? It's religion. You declare, you take authority. The blood's already done his work once and for all, it's finished. We've been those who've been transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. We don't need to ask somebody to pray for us in the courts of heaven when he's already said, I've already done it, it's done with, declare. Bring heaven to earth, but we wanna go from earth to heaven. We got people teaching us to go to heaven to the court of God to get an answer when he said, no, bring heaven to earth. Speak it out. The court's already been settled. Jesus already went there. The Father already said, it's it. Jesus already said, Father, I pray that they become one. You and me, me and you, we and them, and the world will know that you sent me. But we want to put other steps in, and then we criticize religions that have confessionals and say, come in here and confess your sin to me. Oh, they don't know any better. We can confess our own sins, but we can't make our own prayers. I had people get mad at me. I said, I'm not getting into that courts of heavens thing. Why? I need another step. I need to do one more thing. No, know who you are. Those who are great will do great exploits in this day. And it's not great because of how big your ministry is. It's those who know their God. Now let's go into this one moment, please. And I, I, I really want to get this in. And I don't see pizza. Well, there is pizza, but that's okay. It'll wait a minute. I want to go to Exodus 13. And I'm going to try to buzzsaw through this. I really am going to try. But it's important because it's, it, it fits with what we're doing. And the Lord woke me up multiple times in the middle of the night and gave me this. And my wife asked me when she woke up and I was still buzzing around, did you sleep good? I said, no. She said, why? I said, oh, you'll see. All right, go to Exodus 13, please. Story of Moses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, keep going with me quick now. Consecrate to, no, no, that's the wrong one. Go to the, go to the parting of the Dead Sea, I'm sorry. I'll have it for you here in a second. Although that's a good one, but the wrong one. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pihan Haroth, between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal Zephon, and you shall camp before it by the sea. Let's just get the important words. They came out on the Exodus. Pharaoh said, take your people, get out of here. God said he wanted his people to be let go so they could worship him, so they could sacrifice him. It was a God thing to deliver his people after 400 and some years, right? But what's God tell them? He says that they turn and camp. When you repent, what do you do? You turn. You turn and you camp in the righteousness of God. So he's telling them, he's trying to teach them something new. 
a new strategy because they didn't, they didn't even have a, a battle strategy. They didn't even have weapons. They didn't have anything. They just knew how to be servants and they'd become comfortable with it for four centuries. Speak to the children. Camp before it by the sea. Now the right thing would have been to take off the other way. Next verse. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Beloved, that's what the enemy of the body of Christ and the enemy of the coming of Jesus Christ is crying out right now. The, the church is bewildered. We're too caught up in politics, beloved. You think you're going to change who the next president's going to be? God's already nominated that person. I'm not telling you not to vote, but why are you losing sleep over that? What are you going to do with it? You think that really the whole country's gonna change if one guy gets in and the other one gets out? It's not gonna change, nada. Because the systems that are involved aren't just political systems, they're spiritual systems. And we're here on earth, but we're citizens of heaven. We need to start acting like citizens of heaven. I told you and I'll say it again. There's only one nation in all the earth that he ever named himself the God of, and that's Israel. And every other nation that has tried has named him our God. We named him our God, and now we're telling him he's not our God. England already told it to him, there's no mosques, there's more mosques there than there are churches. And the Anglican Bishop of England came out and said, let's not call him Father anymore. They're gone. They're gone. The fiber of that country is swallowed up and gone. And others are following suit very quickly. So, I will pursue them. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all the army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord God. And did so. You see, God is, is, is arrogant and proud about himself. <laughs> We're supposed to be humble, but he's, he, he's jealous. He's God. And he doesn't want anybody else to even think they can do it. And since Pharaoh called himself a God, and since Pharaoh had fed himself upon the children of Israel for 400 years, God says, I'm going to get them. But you're going to help me get them. You're going to do some strange stuff. You're not going to do what you think you should do. And by the way, Moses, you're really not a general. You were just tending your father's sheep and you killed an Egyptian. Who do you think you are? Next verse. Now it was told that the king of Egypt and the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, why did we let them go? How long did it take them? One day. One day from when the firstborn were killed, they were weeping, they were crying, they let the children go, and then all of a sudden they realized they didn't have slaves anymore. And they realized that Israel had gotten one up over them. So they went back to Pharaoh, whose heir was just killed and cremated. They went back to him. And they said, let's go after him. Because God put it into a messenger's mouth. Go tell the Pharaoh, let's come after him. Beloved, there's a lot of messengers out there that aren't a God. Be careful what you listen to. Next. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Quick. Also, he took 600 choice chariots. Next. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. Now, I mean, God just did 10 major 
earth-changing miracles in front of you, right? And he gave you this whole thing about putting the blood of the lamb over your, over your doorstep. And that's where the pleading of the blood came from. But that was Old Testament. You still want to put blood over your door? Be my guest. You're wasting your time. Jesus gave his blood once and for all. It's finished. We've already been redeemed. We've been washed clean. We've been made children of God. You don't have to do anything else except know who you are and walk in the authority and the power of the speaking of God. If you want to do a whole bunch of stuff in between, be my guest. God will tolerate it. He'd shake his head and say, I'm trying to tell them who they are. And so, go on. The Egyptians pursued him. And all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and all that, they all went after him. Keep going. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, but not to God. They didn't know yet how to lift their eyes to God. They'd given up. They'd lost the ability. They lost the anointing. They became just complacent in what they were. They never thought there'd be a new identity, a change. So they had lost it completely. To them, everything was just a story, a history. It was just a religion that wasn't serving them well anymore. And the Egyptians went after them, and the people were afraid. And then the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, Help us! Next. And they said to Moses, What, you took us out here? I could see how they're talking. Like, you know, lad, you took us out here because there were no graves in Egypt. Now look at us. We're going to die here in the wilderness. Oy vey. Why have you dealt like this with us? You brought us out of Egypt. They were basically saying, let's surrender and go back. Maybe they won't kill us. Let's give up. It's too hard. Let's just give in. Why are we fighting what we're doing in the schools? Just give in. It's too hard. Why are we standing out front and making a decision and being a voice when the polls say 62% of the people in Ohio prefer abortion? Why are we not stopping? Why don't we just get comfortable? Let somebody else deal with it. I mean, some of us could say we're not having any more children anyway, right? Stupid. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Next. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying? Now they're reminding Moses how they told him he was crazy as a prophet. Even while God was doing all of those crazy miracles, they told him, we want to stay here. Huh? Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve them than to die. Really? I don't know about you, but if I was given the choice to have a chance to get out of that slavery or to die, I don't think I'd be afraid of death unless I was afraid of death. Next. Moses said to the people, <laughs> calm down. Don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which we, he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And that's what we celebrate at Passover. Yes, we celebrate the blood, the Passover, but what we celebrate is he's the God forever. The same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Next. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Now notice, it didn't tell us Moses was crying to him. It said the children were crying to him, but who did God hold accountable? 
Moses, Moses, you didn't do a very good job of preaching to these people yet. Why are they crying to me? What's wrong with you? Do what you're supposed to do. Prepare the way. Do what you're supposed to. Don't expect me to do everything. I'm there behind you. You're going to win. But preach it. Speak it. Declare it. Do what I've already shown you, what I've already proven to you I could do. Become a radical Christian, born-again activist. Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel, go forward into the water. Next. But lift up your rod. That's what Sonny and I were talking. I preached it to him. What is that rod? Authority. Lift up your authority. Take authority, Moses. I've given you authority. Now take what I've given you. Moses should have said, Lord, can we kill a lamb and put some blood between us and them? Come on now. I know I'm smirking a little bit, but I'm trying to wake you up. The blood already did its job. Now he needed to have authority. I got you out. The angel passed over. You applied the blood. Now take authority. Lift up your rod, Moses. And he lifted up his rod. And stretch out your hand. Can you see it? Rod and hand. Here's the rod. Here's the hand. Moses was probably practicing after God told him he was in the tent. And In his mind, he's wondering, is this some new religious thing God's teaching me? Put the rod up, put my hand out, go to the court of heaven, ask the good. Is this, is this, is this, is this something new? He didn't have time. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Wow. Wow. You got a problem bigger than that one? Hmm? Staff, hand. You're going to see why. Next. And indeed I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. God is jealous for his honor. And that is our massive weapon of destruction against everything and every weapon that is manufactured against us. God's nuclear weapon is his honor. He wants his honor. And when people begin to destroy the image of God, they are slapping God himself in the face. And when they begin to crucify Christ in you, they are crucifying Christ. We need to understand who we are and that God is behind us and in front of us with all power, all authority, but we're the ones we gotta put up the staff and put out the hand. Next. Next. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. Listen to that, the angel was in front of them. Now the angel went behind them. He went behind him for two reasons, we're gonna see. He created it dark on the side that was behind him and he created light on the side that was in front of them. I'm gonna go in front of it even faster for you. In the light, it stayed all night long. This was in the night and in the dark got really dark. How many of you saw it get really dark last night? It got really dark over our house. We sort of, my wife and I were running from window to window and the stuff was swirling right over our house. It was like converging right over it. And she was praying in the spirit and I was laughing. I said, wow, look at this. This was crazy. 
And it was, it was just from all. How many times have you seen clouds coming from all directions at once, right on your house, right over your house? You know, it was like, I said, I know nothing going to happen to us, but I want to watch this. This is, just don't hurt anybody, Lord, but wow, this is something. And so the angel who was in front, going in front of them, now he gets behind them. He creates dark in dark, deep darkness, and light in light. The Egyptians were frozen. They couldn't move. But then the Lord sent the tempest. And look what Moses did. Next. So it should come between the camp of, uh, of Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus there was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light to the night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Beloved, we are the light. And behind you is an angel pushing. Now, I don't worship angels, but let me tell you, all got at least one. Some of you got more. Some of us need a lot of them. I don't know. <laughs> some bigger, some smaller, some sweeter, some mean. But they got an angel behind them because that angel not only was protecting their backside, but he gave them a little push. Give them a little push, a little kick in the doofus. Let's get moving. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea with the authority. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east. When we get into the glory of the Lord departing the temple, guess where it came from? The east. The Lord said there will be a lightning bolt that shoots from the east to the west. And the moment that I got that revelation, we were in, uh, where were we? somewhere in the Mideast, and I saw it. And then they had it in the news, and they said there was a strange phenomenon. A light went across Israel from the east to the west, and the Lord said to me, so shall I come. So shall I come. The God moves in his glory from the east. I don't understand why, but we're going to look into it with Ezekiel and get a little bit better understanding why. All that night, all that night that wind came, it must have been one heck of a wind and it dried out everything. Next, and the waters were divided. The children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. I got a beautiful painting in my house that shows that. Next, and the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea and all Pharaoh's horses and chairs and then boom! And then God told Moses, put your hand back out. Tell the waters to go back in. Why did God use Moses to do that? Why didn't God just do it himself? I mean, Sonny, wouldn't it make more sense that if God just did it himself, then the people would think it's not a man and it's God, and then they would be closer to God? But here's the problem. People have a hard time getting closer to God themselves. They need you. They need the sizing. They need the people dressed in fine linen. Revelation 19.8, please. I've got to finish the riddle. I don't want to do this riddle again. We're going to move on to other stuff. 19.8. Something about linen. Now, this isn't linen, because linen really wrinkles, right? Everything I have linen, I wear it one time, and I don't know what to do with it. I sent one of them to the dry cleaner, came back, and looked like shredded wheat. They, they, I don't know what to do with them, so I might have to ask you how to help me with linen. You know what linen's made out of? Flax. Some of you put flax in to help your to-dos. 
stuff? Yeah. Flax. Flaxseed. And that flaxseed is grown in Europe, mostly in Europe, and so it's very expensive because it's in your European countries, and it's really not prominent everywhere else. And they take that whole plant, and they turn it into a linen. And they take the flowers of it, and they make it something that you put in, and it's good for your digestive system and all the other stuff that flax does for you. It has multiple uses. But flax, even in that day, was hard to get. And it made a fine linen. And that linen didn't have any other impurities in it. It's just flax, unlike some other stuff, as you, people that work with clothes would know better than me. So the Lord has all these allegations, all of these allegories about the people in flax. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Who is that? That's the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. So what does fine linen have to do with it all about being prophetic? How can we not be a spot or a wrinkle on the fine linen unless we are clothed in fine linen? If our mantle has snake skin clinging to it, doesn't look too good on the bride of Christ. But Paul got it. Without spot, without wrinkle, dressed in fine linen. So what does it all have to do? We've got we to be those who chip the ice for the cold ones. We've got to be those who dig the ditches for the preparation for what God's going to be doing for us. We've got to be those who are dressed in fine linen. We have to be those who know our God and prepare for Him. I have more. I'm not going to get into it. Hopefully it'll come when we take another step. Now, I think, I think we have a good foundation to understand not only the season we live in about preparing the way, but also now how we can activate that for ourselves. This I want to show you. I'm not going to use it much now. I'll use it the next time. I asked them real quick when I came in, and I, I don't know, Jim and Jim and Jim, they did something. But I wanted to show a threshold. This is a threshold, right? Let's just say, it's a, tell me it's a threshold. Say, yes, Pastor, this is a threshold. Okay. I don't know really what it was, but make a good doorstop. It's a threshold. In the scriptures, there's a lot to be said about the threshold. When Dagon and Samuel they brought the Ark of the Covenant and they stuck it in there with Dagon. What happened to Dagon? He fell down flat on his face and broke. They put him back together, back in there with the Ark. The next day they came and it says that the hands and head of Dagon were on the other side of the threshold. Crossing the threshold can be good and bad. But there's one thing about the threshold. On this side of it, you're on the outside. On this side of it, you're on the inside. You'll learn and see that there are guardians of the threshold all through scriptures. Those who collected the money for the people to enter, they did it on the outside. You give the money first, now you go in. You count the cost first, then you enter in. Ellie, remember? Fat Ellie, 98 years old, his eyes dim, his two sons were terrible. They got killed and it says he heard the bad news, and he fell over off his chair and broke his neck. And the Spirit of the Lord left his family. He was on the outside of the threshold 
of the city gate. My belief, why did his neck break? He fell over to the inside. He didn't belong there anymore. His neck broke. And he died. His ministry was over. His prophetic time was history. Beloved, the Lord spoke to us from there. I've been waiting for it. I've been knowing it's coming for over 40 years. And he's telling us we're, we're crossing the threshold. Notice when you cross a threshold, you don't step on it. What's the custom with a new bride? Pick her up, take her from the outside, step over the threshold and bring her in. We're crossing the threshold for the bride. Hush, I got the Holy Spirit all over me. Transformation time, new time, something big is happening. And guess what? It's starting in a little Jordan River like Bethlehem. Isn't that God's way? Isn't it God's way? It starts in the middle of nowhere. Watch what will happen. I prophesied to Sonny this morning. I said, Sonny, you're part of something much bigger than you even imagine. Those of us here. It's contagious. Watch what happens. We want eyes to open, ears to hear. We want to be the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight a highway in the desert for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the foundation is repentance. Our message is first to the body of Christ. We cannot go out and expect people to believe we're real unless we're genuine ourselves first. Then watch what happens. Watch what happens when Shmuley went home after getting baptized in the river by John. And, and he went and got Garfunkel, and he brought Garfunkel over. He says, look what happened. I went to see this crazy man out in the day, and something happened. I don't know what something's stirring inside of me. You got to come try this. And so Garfunkel comes, and he gets baptized by John the Baptist, and they're watching, and then the Pharisees and Sadducees come, and John looks at him. He says, you vipers. Your father's a devil. You have no part in this. Get out of here. And they look at each other. They say, what kind of man is this? But they can't get rid of what happened inside of them. Something stirring. Something churning. This is what we've been born for. This is what you're created for. This is what you've been brought forth for. I don't care if you've been in the Lord 90 years or you came yesterday. It's all new. You don't need a pedigree. <laughs> I pray you don't have one. Don't come with a, with a whole bunch of things behind your name. Not impressed. With a heart. So we spent a lot of time, about a decade, learning who we were, what we are, what we're not. Power, we can download that very quickly to everybody who comes. But now we're crossing the threshold with power, with authority, with grace, grace, grace.
Amen. All right. Um, I do want to continue this on about crossing the threshold. I do encourage you to read on your own uh, chapters 9 and 10 of Ezekiel, focusing especially on the glory and the wheels, within the wheels and the move of the glory and the coming across the threshold. Ponder it. At least get familiar with the text and the scriptures, okay? Do that. It's not much of an assignment. And whatever you do, be careful about the commentary you read on it, okay? Be careful. Be careful about that. They do the best they can do. But they're looking when they wrote it with old eyes, not new eyes. So interpretations of old stuff can be good. If it's foundational, it can be a hindrance. If it's got stale, be careful. Father, we thank you, Lord, for that, what you've done, that, what you're going to do. Lord, I thank you for the word of the Lord. I thank you, Father, for us, for you, Lord, placing us in this earth at this time for such a time as this. My God, who are we? Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're going to do what you do, and we want to do it with you. Count us to the army, Lord God. Help us to continue to prepare and to dig our ditches, to be able to believe you for all the abundance of provision that we need, not just our physical and material lives, but our spiritual lives, to be those who lead, to be those who can be that, that cushion between you and the world so much that it cannot be denied. Help us, Father, to first and foremost stay in a humble heart of repentance, not to become arrogant. And Father, I thank you and I declare that you pour out gifts upon all these your people more than they've ever seen or could believe in, but that they're trusted to use them in the right way, for the right purposes, for the right people, and not for a branding. Father, help us to be tolerant in the body of Christ. As you might give us that clarion voice to cry out as a watchtower and a provocation, but at the same time, to do so somehow with your love, with your grace, with your temperance. Help us, Father, to hone those skills and to do it the right way. Let us be alluring, even as you said you would allure the bride of Israel out into the desert and show yourself in Hosea. Let us be alluring, Lord. Let us be alluring, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.